Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. And that pretty much brings me to the point of what I want to share that's in my heart and in my spirit to each and every one of you for this morning is that we started this month, the month of July, with this very powerful yet simple word from the Lord is that in July we are to focus and attempt with everything within us to get to the place where we are able to occupy until he comes that speaks of being unwavering that speaks of being single-minded and having a laser focus on all that God has called you to that you will not be moved that you will not be shaken that you will not be swayed that you will not compromise because temptations will come opportunities will come And sometimes these compromises come in the form of temptations that are disguised as something so good, so noble, so pure. And this is why you have to be able to discern what is of God and what is not. In the very same way as I get invitations to, let's say, go and preach at a particular place, you need to be able to discern what is of God and what is not. Because sometimes being at a particular place or being seen on a one particular platform might very well be and mean the end of your ministry. Not all things that glitter is gold, as they say. And so you have to be able to discern what is of God and what is not. And so the last few weeks, I've been taking you on a journey. I've been sharing with you the golden nuggets and even the keys that will help you to unlock getting to the place where you can firmly plant your feet and say, I am occupying. I have grabbed hold of my place of influence. I have taken my seat of authority and power over this particular mountain that the Lord has called me to. And I shared with you in the very first week about what it means to occupy, what it means to stand up and to rise up in the spirit of Caleb, who looked at the mountain that was before him, that was given to him and promised to him as an inheritance to him, to his children and his children's children. And yet they were those giants that occupied the mountain. And still at the age of 85, the end of his life, one could argue. He could have said, well, this is not my fight anymore. You know what? I've, I've hung up my shoes. I've, I've hung up my boxing gloves. This is the end of my life. I'm going to now pass that on to the next generation. No, no, no. He was going to make sure that what he could do while he was still living and breathing in his lifetime, he would do so that his children would not have to fight a fight that God had called him to. Your children do not have to fight the fight that you have had to fight your entire life. And you say, well, Pastor Kevin, that sounds easier than it is. And yes, it's certainly not easy. No one ever said it's going to be easy. If it was easy, everyone would do it. If it was easy, there would be no need for the Bible. If it was easy, there would have been no need for Jesus to come to this earth. It's not easy. Freedom is never easy. Occupying is never going to be easy. Which is why I shared the message with you last week about how to overcome distractions and even disappointments. Because there's one thing that life is going to never stop bringing your way and it is disappointments. Where you were promised one thing and then it ends up differently. 
I'm not talking about promises of God. I'm talking about what friends and family and colleagues or employers, and the list goes on, promise but fail to deliver on the promise. And so in life, you are going to have to navigate disappointment. In life, you will have many opportunities to give up. Quite possibly, there were many of you this week who were challenged with the prospect of giving up. Giving up the fight in a particular area or even more than one area of your life. And so life is not easy. Life is tough. But this is why I want to also get into this morning's message which deals with the topic of being or becoming relentless. Being relentless. And then there's many who would even hear the topic of today and this message, and they would say, well, that sounds so strong. Why do we have to talk about being relentless? You know, we just give everything into the hands of God. En dan Afrikaans sê ons, laat, laat Gods water oor Gods akker loop. What has to be, let it be. And that is exactly the mentality that the enemy wants you to have. Just let it be. Just go with the flow. And that's what the enemy wants. But isn't it interesting that the enemy has no problem in being relentless? But then there are other Christians who would smirk at you when they even say, or when you would say that you were at Dominion Church this morning listening to a message by Pastor Kevin where he was talking about being relentless, they will smirk. Well, who does he think he is? Being relentless. whoop de doo But the enemy is relentless in his onslaught against you and against your family. And these same Christians would not have a problem in pointing out the fact that the enemy, the devil, and every demon in hell assigned against your life and that of your family and signed against your purpose, your future, and ultimately your destiny. They will not deny that, but the fact that you say you will become relentless Now all of a sudden, people ask questions, shake their heads in disgust or disbelief. But what does it truly mean to be relentless? Dictionaries define it as showing or promising no abatement of severity, intensity, strength or pace. Let Let me read this again. This is according to the dictionary. Showing or promising no abatement of severity. So in other words, it's severe. This is not something, being relentless is not being half-hearted. Being relentless does not mean that you are excited when you are winning, but then want to give up and throw in the towel when you see that the momentum has shifted to the place of the enemy. That's not what it means to be relentless. Being relentless means that whatever the score is on on the scorecard or on the scoreboard does not move you. Being relentless means even if you, from the perspective or the scenario of playing a sport, and you are like yesterday... 17 0. And you could see, I watched the body language and I watched our captain not inspiring the team. By 20 minutes into the game, I already was concerned because you could see that the demeanor, the body language was showing defeat. And the enemy preys on that, the enemy will pounce on that. The enemy will always pounce on weakness. This is why lions take out the weakest one. Lions, when they they go out hunting, they do not just go for the pack. 
Because there's safety in the pack. They go for the straggler. They go for the one who is distracted. Which is why I can say this. Is that when you are part of a local church, you know what? There's safety. But just watch what happens. Not with the idea of condemnation or judgment or prejudgment. But watch. Watch what happens to a person who is committed to a local church. Who's become a member of a local church. And watch the one who is able to always have a reason justifying why they cannot commit to the local church, any church. The ones who say, well, we go here, then we go there, then we do this, then we do that. Those are the ones the enemy goes for. That's just the way it is. And so watching even yesterday and how things unfold, I mean, you cannot give up. You cannot give up. Being relentless is showing or promising no abatement of severity, intensity, strength, or pace. Even when it feels like there's times in your body like you are exhausted. Because, hey, you're not made of steel. There are going to be days that you have to just get some rest. Where you just have to eat something and recover your strength. Do something to just regain your perspective and your strength overall. And yet, there's no abatement of intensity, strength, or pace. Another dictionary defines it as unceasingly intense. So you have to be intense by being intent on what God has called you to. That speaks of understanding your true identity, your purpose, and where you are going, your destiny. That's why we are here. That's the purpose for Dominion Church and for this ministry at large is helping people discover their true identity so that they may live a life of purpose There's nothing greater than living a life marked by purpose, where every step you take is like you're already putting the step into footsteps that have already been walked for you. It's like it's it's just, it's ticking. It feels perfect the way it should be. That's what it feels like to walk in God's divine purpose for your life. So therefore, it doesn't matter what you see doesn't matter what you pick up or perceive with your natural senses. You are walking in divine purpose. And you are walking towards your God-given destiny. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 30, the Amplified Classic says it this way, and then also the King James. The Amplified Classic says, but our way, which by the way should be your way, But our way is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery or perdition and are utterly destroyed. So ultimately it comes down to this once more, two different or distinct groups of people. Two different groups of people. And the author of the book of Hebrews says that we are not of those who belong to that other group. We are not of those who draw back to eternal misery or to perdition. So there is a standing firm that takes place. You see, if you do not stand for something, you will fall for everything. That is why it is important for you to stand. You cannot say that you want to occupy, but you are unwilling or unable to stand for the truth. It means to be unwavering when it comes to the word of God, the word of truth. 
truth does not change. When you enter into a meeting with a group of people who have this set of beliefs, and then when you enter a group of people who have a different set of beliefs, now you want to change your statement or your view. Truth should not be something that changes based on your audience. Truth is supposed to be absolute, the absolute truth. I always love watching debates and even in debates that I've been involved with myself, where sometimes people would say, when you challenge people on the fact that Jesus is the absolute truth, truth is personified in the person of Jesus. Because people challenge the very verse that says that Jesus is the truth, or the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through Him. People do not like that particular statement. Because in that particular statement of Jesus, He claims exclusivity, exclusive access to the Father and to eternal life. And so if you want to have access to the Father and want to have access to eternity with Him, you have to come only one way, and that is through Him, or more specifically through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And so Jesus makes the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so I have to say to some people that He is the absolute way, the only way. He is absolute truth, and He is absolute life. And then there will be those who debate you and say, well, we do not believe in absolutes. Have you noticed the paradigm shift in the world over the last few years where people do not speak of truth, they speak of my truth and your truth? Have you heard that? Have you heard that in the language of people? When you talk about the truth, then they say, well, what truth are you talking about? Are you talking about my truth or your truth? No, 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 truth is not subjective. Truth is absolute. And then the moment you say truth is absolute, they say, we do not believe in absolutes. Here's the response to that particular statement or question. Are you absolutely sure? But we are not of those who draw back to eternal misery, perdition. And are utterly destroyed. So what happens when you are not standing firm on the truth of God's word? What happens when you are moved, when you are easily swayed? What happens when you compromise? It leads to utter destruction. But we are of those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And by faith preserve the soul. The King James says it this way, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. This morning, I want to just quickly look at a few examples of people who portrayed and exemplified for us the characteristic of being relentless. Despite the pressure of society, despite the religious pressure, despite the societal norms and the stereotypes involved with them as people or them as specific individuals, no matter what, they were relentless. I define being relentless as not giving up, as not letting go until you see the desired result. That is what it means to be truly relentless. That I will not let go until I see the desired result. In Matthew 15, verse 21 to 28, it says this. Verse 21. And going away from there, Jesus withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from that district came out and with a loud, troublesome, urgent cry begged, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressing me and cruelly possessed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Did you get a hold of that? 
the disciples, Jesus' disciples told him, begged Jesus, tell her to keep quiet and tell her to go away. Send her away, they asked. Then he said, he did not answer her a word. Verse 23. You can underline those words. He did not answer her a word. Jesus was silent. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Remember, she is a Gentile woman. She's not a Jew. And yet, how does she cry out to him to begin with? She cries out to him, O Lord, son of David. She is not a Jew. But she calls out to him as the son of David. That is the title of the the Messiah. That is the title of the Messiah. So she had a revelation that he is the Messiah. There were Jews who did not have the revelation that she had as a Gentile woman. And so she called upon his title, his divine title of Messiah, saying, Lord, son of David. And he answered, it is not right. It is not proper, becoming or fair, to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. This is the particular verse that many people talk about because, in essence, Jesus is equating this woman to a dog. He basically called this woman who was crying out to Jesus in distress. As a dog. She said yes Lord. Yet even the little pups. Eat the crumbs that fall. From the young master's table. It didn't say the next verse. And she cried as she ran away. I love this woman. She's tenacious. And audacious. She has a comeback. Jesus just called her a little dog and said it's not right that he gives what he has, deliverance, bread to the dogs. And she says, well, even these little dogs are able to get the crumbs that fall from the table. I love this woman. I love her response. Relentless, not letting go until she receives and sees the manifestation of what she was longing for. And what was that? It was selfless. It was for her daughter to be set free of demonic oppression, to be delivered of the demons that possessed her. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. In the Greek, the word great is the word mega. Jesus actually said to her, woman, you have mega faith. Mega faith. Your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish, as you have asked for. And her daughter was cured from that moment. Four things I want to leave with you about this in particular. The one thing that is going to come against you more often than not, as I said earlier, the challenge you're going to deal with when it comes to being relentless, the opposition to being relentless is distractions, and disappointments. There's going to be many opportunities for you to become distracted, to take other opportunities 
to move into another direction thinking that therein lies the answer and you're going to find yourself even further away from where you should have been. That is why you need to be able to discern. In life, you are going to be given many opportunities to compromise. You will be given many opportunities to take shortcuts, to take the easy way out. And for many, they are never able to fully recover, never able to truly get back on the track, let alone reach their final destination. There are many people who even die in the wilderness because they allow themselves to get sidetracked. But that is not you. That is not you. Disappointment. As I said in the beginning, life is designed in the way that we see it and experience it today after the fall of man. And it's being exploited by the enemy to cause such devastation and disappointment to come to your life. And how you deal with disappointment is ultimately going to determine whether or not you are still going to reach your final destination. Which is why I was so inspired by my own wife that she shared even her testimony earlier today about receiving news last week that was rather disappointing. I mean, that is an understatement. And what makes it even worse is not, I mean, you look at every criteria, you look at every box you could tick that should have been ticked and everything truly was ticked. And this is not just in my own estimation, this is even speaking to seasoned individuals in this particular industry who say, we honestly cannot think of why and how this has happened. And then there are so many who, because of that disappointment, they take offense. And that is the one, call it the ace up the enemy's sleeve. Offense. Because the devil is not just going to come at you offering offense. It is usually going to be followed by disappointment. Where an outcome did not match the expectation. You had a particular expectation. Now how things are busy unfolding, it's not matching up to your original expectation. Because of various factors. And now you are easy to take offense. And hearing her story and seeing what, what has happened. I mean, last week I told you when she's back, no one has to even high shame, Pastor Chantel. You know, we're so sorry for you. That's not who we are. We do not operate in that way. I'm not saying that there wasn't a time where you grief and where you deal with what needs to be dealt with and you let your emotions out and, and you continue. But we're not people who ponder. We're not people, we're, we're not going to camp around the disappointment. Because we understand that disappointments, it's part of life. But how you deal with it, how you ultimately overcome it, that's what sets you apart. Too many people camper out disappointment and you listen to them and they talk and it is revealed where they will say, you know what, my life, I planned so much different. But you know what, when my husband started drinking in 1967 and then he divorced me in 1972, you know, things have just not been. I'm not saying that you were not hurt. I'm not saying that you were not disappointed. I'm not saying that you were not grieved. I'm not saying that you were not devastated. I can understand and I sympathize, but there has to come a time where you say that I will not camp around this disappointment. I will no longer allow my life to be defined by that single moment, by that single situation. I will overcome and I will ensure that my life will ultimately be marked by victory.
That's what I'm talking about. When something happens, I'll be there. I told you this before. I'll, I'll, I'll cry with you. I'll grieve with you. But also understand that there's going to be a time of mourning. And then there's going to be a little nudge that I'm going to give you at some point. Say, come on. Cry that last tear. Use that last tissue. I've got work to do. Samantha's saying amen. You know, but what I want to get to is this, is that although you want to hear it now in that situation, sometimes that, come on. How dare you, pastor? You know what I'm going through right now? Hierdie pastoor het geen sympathie nie. Hy is onmenslik. What would Jesus do? He would not. I just read to you what Jesus did. Words in red. There comes a time for you to move on. And you do not have to move on with a chip on your shoulder. You do not have to move on with revenge and vengeance on your lips. You do not have to move on from there thinking that yendach is yendach. I'm planning my revenge. You can plan your comeback. You can plan out the path towards victory. That you can do and you should do. But the Lord says that vengeance is mine. And so coming back to my own wife, you know, a week after a very big disappointment, she already publishes an entire ebook dealing with how to overcome disappointment. An ebook called From Setback to Success. I mean, if that is not speaking of someone who is able to overcome tremendous disappointment, and I mean, I know that even saying tremendous disappointment is not doing it justice because I walk this journey with her closely, intimately. And this is why it is so important to be able to move on. Because there's a lot of people who are, they, they, they feel that they are even justified in now slandering, defaming. How many people do you know? Again, this is not you. This is people you know, those heathen cousins of yours. They get excited about a job prospect. They start working and then all of a sudden things just don't go. And then all of a sudden, yeah, any man says that they're so wicked. They so this, they so that. Another time, you know, you, 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 you might be in another setting again, like what Chantel was in, you know, with a group of people. It's a business environment, and, it's, and, and you're so excited one moment, but now there's disappointment that comes, and you change your tune in less than 24 hours. You just flip over like that. I mean, the same can be said for schools, people who's excited about a school, then there's an incident. You know, there's, uh, you, you, I've had people say to me before, you know, they, they come to the church. Oh, pastor, here is the perfect kerk. And they say, oh, the fact that you know you saw is making it not perfect. People come and they go, oh, this is just the perfect church. Pastor, this is the perfect church. Oh, we're so excited. Whoa, Pastor Kevin. I'm telling you, I've not heard such words of wisdom before. Oh. Pastor Kevin, I, I know why you have come here. Oh, it's just for us. It's for our family. Three weeks later, you don't see them. You message them. Hey, where are you? We miss you. We haven't seen you in some time. Dan krijg je die boodskap terug. Pastor Kevin, ek sal het waardeer as jy nie so opcheck op my nie. Of nog erger. Sommer net, Kevin, los my uit. Okay, I'll do that. And so offense is knocking on the door. Knocking on the door. 
waiting for an opportunity. And as I said, it is even more, what would be the word to use? Easier to fall prey to offense after a major setback or disappointment. And that is why the enemy waits just after a huge disappointment to offer up offense. And it comes in all varying shapes and sizes and flavors. You can have your pick. In verse 23, Jesus is silent. He is silent. There's many of you even where, where I'll be honest, there's certain things that God is speaking to me about pertaining to your life. Even this morning where the Lord is, is speaking to me about some of you. And although there is everything within me that wants to call you to the front so I may prophesy over you, the Lord even said to me, not this morning. Because the Lord is needing to mature you because so many, and I'm not saying many of you who are here, I'm talking many in the body of Christ, run from prophecy to prophecy as a means of guidance. And be careful because then even Chasing after prophets and the prophetic gift can become another form of idolatry and witchcraft. And it becomes nothing more than divination. I'm not against prophets. I'm not against prophecy. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying people who go from one prophecy to the next where they cannot make the next move until some person has said something. God is also maturing you. He's raising you up to become a mature son. To become a hoyos son. That is a mature and positioned son. Why is it so important that you become a mature and positioned son? Because you have died with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. And that right now you are seated in Christ. Positioned in Christ in heavenly places. And you need to live up to that expectation that the father has for you. This is why God called us, Jesus called us to make disciples, not to create dependence. That is the one thing that I have vowed not ever to do, is to create dependence. You can have large churches filled with dependence. But this is why I'm going to challenge you to become a disciple. That means that you're going to be challenged to become mature. That you do not have to phone me every single day, every single moment. Pastor Kevin, pray for me for this uh, meeting I'm about to have. Two hours later, Pastor Kevin, that meeting went well, but uh, I'm going into a subsequent meeting. Please, please just cover me in prayer for that meeting as well. Um, Pastor Kevin, could, could you maybe just break bread with me? Just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there, are you here? But, you know, just stand with me in agreement. You know, there's power in the blood. Amen. Yes, that's true. And then the evening, you know, Pastor Kevin, thank you so much for covering me in prayer today. You know, so many meetings went well, yeah, but uh, there's other things I'm needing to do. And I'm just so confused because some of the meetings didn't go the way that I thought it would. And um, so I'm going to do other things tomorrow. And then, okay, well, I'm praying for you. And then a week later, you didn't, don't hear anything. And then you hear the person is now going like 180 and is going completely other direction. Meanwhile, I'm still praying with you, for you, for that particular direction. Do you know how many people that, you know? Pastor Kevin, you know, I'm, 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 I'm praying, you know, that the Lord will give me a promotion. You know, I'm, I'm believing the Lord in my workplace. You know, I work currently in Stellenbosch and I'm believing I've been at this company for 20 years and I'm believing now for increase and believing, believing for this promotion. There's a promotion that is opening up soon because this person is retiring and, you know, I deserve that position. I'm qualified. I'm ready. I've got the experience. I've got the track record. That position, I'm praying with you. Believe me, I'm praying with you. And then a week later, I'm like, I'm not the kind of person that's going to after, you know, like, hey, how was the meeting? I'm not saying I don't. Many of you will know that I message you and ask you, how did it go? How, you know. But sometimes you also just leave, you know. So then you don't see the person, the sudden name. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Then you message, hey, how are you doing? What happened at the workplace? And then the person says, no, we... We're on our way to Johannesburg. 
What? Just last week, you told me the prophetic words and things, and it's all about you being in Stellenbosch. That is what you've, your whole life thus far has led up to this moment of what God had promised you all of these years and why you needed to occupy that space in Stellenbosch. Every, and then, are we going to Joburg? Like, what? I know you laugh at these things, but you know what? This is my reality. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for the men and uh, the men of God in my life that I'm accountable to and people that I can speak to, I would have gone insane. Because it's like, did I wake up this morning in some sort of alternate universe? I mean, I have to check my ID and my driver's license to make sure I'm still Kevin Davis. I know we're laughing, but you get what I'm saying. Again, you've got those heathen cousins of yours. And so this is why there comes a moment. There is a way, and this is what I felt this morning. I mean, as much as I want to lay hands, as much as I want to ignite, I mean, for fun, you with the means, but take it a bit of some bokok out of Van vrachtag, you know, you stand now a bit long. And van you stand here, you sit now. The time has come. We've got work to do. So that even means serving. That means getting involved. That means when we even now, over the next uh, few weeks, this is the time leading up to a membership intake. Understand, we're going to have, there's a qualification criteria. Understand, filling in a form is simply applying to become a member. Doesn't make you a member just filling in a form. As much as I want to thank each and every one of you, even now, who's filled in the form, thank you. Because that's the starting point. Because there's nothing worse than to, for a person, yes, well, I want to become a member, become a member. Become, and then literally I say, finally, this midnight, that is the cutoff. And then you get an application three minutes past 12. That's filled in half. Doesn't really give you the best of first impression. And so this is why it, we need to get to a place where we understand that sometimes when Jesus is silent, it's not because he's silent because he doesn't want to speak. He has spoken, but we're not doing the last thing he told us to. Now, obviously, coming back in reference to this and within this particular context, Jesus didn't say anything. He was just silent to begin with. And so... If this woman wasn't relentless, I mean, she could have just walked away. Well, he's not saying anything. So much for the great teacher who's got so much to say, but now he's silent. I'm, I'm leaving. You say, how can I say? Well, that's what people say about the Lord on a daily basis. Because these are the things each and every one of us are confronted with. Every one of us. There's times in my life when I'm like, Lord, where are you? Lord, I'm speaking. Lord, it doesn't seem like you are hearing me. Lord, are you not seeing what's happening? And Jesus is silent. Because there comes a time for you to stand up. And there's maturing that takes place in that particular season of your life. But he ignored her. Verse 23 as well. The disciples rejected her. They asked for her to be sent away. To be removed from the setting. Just take her away. Think about that. Someone tells you to go away. But nonetheless, you're going to stay. Because you're here for a miracle. Then in verse 24, she is excluded on the basis of her not being a Jew. She's excluded on the basis of her being a Gentile woman. So up until this point, she already had three very massive reasons to be offended. But she's not taking the bait of Satan. And then number four, the fourth opportunity, verse 26. 
is when Jesus goes so far as to play on a Jewish saying, an expression, an idiom, equating the Gentiles to dogs. I mean, that should have sealed the deal. That should have sealed the deal in her heart and in her mind. It should have closed her off. She should have probably walked away from that setting and that meeting, going to the journalist saying, you know, let me tell you a story about this Jesus of Nazareth. First, he's silent. Then his disciples want to chase me away. Then I'm rejected for not being a Jew. And then he insults me, calling me a dog. Imagine if that happened today in 2023. Imagine the headline stories. But she didn't take offense. She was relentless. And it was because of her persistent faith, being relentless, that her daughter was delivered. You see, do you know how many times a generation takes offense? And it not only affects their lives, but it affects the life or lives of the next generation. You look at where you could have been if only your parents didn't just take offense. You look at where you could have been in terms of stability, of prosperity and wealth, if only your parents were relentless, if only your grandparents had grit, stickability, relentless. I'm not saying that it was easy or it would have been easy. It was hard. It is still hard. But we have to make a decision. We have to make a quality decision to discard all kinds of justifications which we rightfully can claim. You could be justified in pinpointing that and pinpointing that and pinpointing that. You could. You could. You could try and find every reason why you are who you are and why you are where you are. And you can give all the blame to your parents or your grandparents or the economy or the politics. And, 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 and. Or you can make the decision that you will become relentless. Not giving up until you see the desired result. And so it doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter what shame, guilt, or condemnation even the enemy tries to throw your way. It doesn't matter what slander or defamation comes your way to be and to remain relentless. I pray that every single one of us would become people of faith. Becoming relentless. Being relentless. Not giving up. Until we see the desired result. You know, even this last week, I had a meeting with an owner of a piece of land right here in this area. And I must say the meeting went extremely well. So much so that, that I'm believing that very soon I'll be able to give you a, an incredible update on this. But certain things would not even be a possibility if you consider the economic climate, the political climate. Well, who buys something like this in this economic climate or in this political climate? Pastor Kevin, have you not seen what they plan to do with land that pastors or men of God own? Have you not considered that? Well, I see that. I see that. But it's becoming relentless of that which God has told you. To know that you know that you know what God has told you. And to not give up. Where you are believing, let's say God, for promotion in your workplace. Be careful when another opportunity opens up that's 180 degrees different to what God had showed you. I'm not saying that it cannot be God. I'm saying be careful. 
because it might very well be that the enemy is trying to move you out of your position. And the moment you vacate a position that was held by someone who's godly, it creates a vacuum in the realm of the spirit and it literally sucks in the closest demon. And so, Father, I pray that every single one of us would become serious to the plan and purpose that you have for us, to our divine assignment, our mandate, our calling, that we will not be moved, we will not be shaken, we will not be swayed by anything or anyone, not by politics, not by economics, not by societal norms or societal pressure, but we will stand for the truth. We will stand on your word, on the promise of your word, the truth, the absolute authority of your word, and say it is so. I pray that even in this week as we begin to make the changes in our lives that would facilitate our lives being marked by being relentless, that we will already begin to see the manifestation of your promise of supernatural intervention, of miracles taking place at a grand scale because we have made the decision to become relentless, not giving up, not giving in, and not letting go in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.